listening to the best of the Armstrong and Getty Show. Featuring our podcast, One More Thing. Get more info at armstrongandgetty.com. One of my favorite expressions, by the way. My dad was a big fan of it. Seemed like a good idea at the time. <laughs> can explain a lot in a person's life. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> this is very a, useful. This is from a very serious book that I haven't read, but the Washington Post pro- profiled a book, and dang it, I don't have the title of it handy. Brand new. It's about um, Syria and the uh, intelligence sources we had inside Syria and have had for the last several years. And there's a book out now about it. So we were keeping a pretty close eye on their chemical weapons. A red line is the name of the book. Red Mm -hmm. line. Coming from the Barack Obama my red line would be if they used chemical weapons, then they used chemical weapons, and we decided not to do anything about it, which absolutely opened the door to Syria doing all kinds of more horrible things as they realize, oh, I guess nobody's going to stand up to that. With the help of old Vlad Putin. I'm not positive Obama made the wrong choice there, but that is what happened. Um, but it, but so we were, we got a spy in to talk to one of their top, top chemical weapons guys there. And that guy was willing to talk and deal with us, we think at least partially, because he had a huge ego, felt like he was the best in the world at this stuff. It was a secret from the world, and he wanted the world to know. Hey, me, Jim Johnson, or whatever his name is, I this is what I made. I made this stuff, and this is what it'll do. I'm the best wow. that's ever done this. And I want everybody wow. to know it. And because it's like of one of that, those uh, serial killers who wants to get caught. Yeah, exactly. It's no, it's no fun. Uh, poor choice of word, maybe for serial killers, but or or somebody who makes chemical weapons to kill people. But it's no fun to be the greatest and have nobody know it. Mm-hmm. You know, you need people to. You want to be able to take credit anyway. So we got a uh, a spook in there talking to this guy, and so we were able to keep track of where the chemical weapons were. To a certain extent, so that's part of why we were, um, you know, let them cross the red line. We thought we had a beat on whether or not they were shipping this stuff out of the country and could, you know, end up being used against us in other places. Mm-hmm. None of this has anything to do with what I'm about to tell you about from the book, though. In Syria, their culture and laws allow for polygamy. And this scientist dude had two wives. And this is just one little page from the book that I thought was kind of funny. Um, His first wife was an excellent cook, he said, but he decided to marry a second considerably younger woman, his secretary, out of a pure carnal attraction. Who could have foreseen such turmoil? The two women squabbled constantly, except for the times when they united to direct their scorn at him. He had wanted a spicier love life and ended up with a case of perpetual heartburn. I don't recommend it, the scientist told his guest. (laughs) I thought that was hilarious. Seemed like a good idea at the time. (laughs) It's what many of us level-headed people have kind of always suspected would be the case. Yes. You, you You got the one wife who's doing the cooking and the cleaning and this sort of stuff. Then you get this new, younger, hotter wife. Because you stupidly, like a moron, think that's that's 
you're going to get the best of both worlds somehow or whatever. Yeah, and they'll get along great. It'll just be fun. <laughs> He's not having any sex. And the only time they're not fighting with each other is when they unite to hate him. <laughs> <laughs> I don't recommend it, he says. <laughs> Sounds like God's begun his punishment early. Maybe that's why he was uh, needing to uh, get the whatever made him feel good about the world, knowing he was the best scientist. Well, oh, nothing, nothing's happening at home I really enjoy. <laughs> so a couple of other things we just didn't quite squeeze in during the show. First of all, JT, like many people, has pointed out, you, we were talking about uh, Donald J. Trump becoming the next Speaker of the House of Representatives. It's a decent chance the Republicans take back the House in 2022. And, Why isn't uh, Trump- this happening? The, the the Republicans almost certainly will take back the House. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what happens every time a president is elected. Um, right. and Trump could win. He could he could move to practically any district in any red state and win going away and become right. a congressperson. Right, but as point people pointed out, because that's what I was explaining, he would probably run in his uh, district there where Mar-a-Lago is in Florida and win. And then uh, be elected Speaker of the House, and he'd have the legislative, uh, you know, reins in his hands. Plus, he could impeach Biden if he wanted. Oh, yeah, I know. But a, no- <laughs> a number of people, including JT, have pointed out you don't need to be a congressman to be the Speaker of the House. The House can elect anybody Speaker of the House. When's the last time they picked somebody who wasn't a congressman to be Speaker of the never. House? Never. It's never happened. Seems but rigged. it is possible. So the Republicans could win the House and just appoint Trump. As, you know, just bring him to the speaker. <laughs> and currently, I think they got the votes to do it. Yeah, yeah. Well, because all you need is a, well, no, you need a majority of the House, so you'd have to get a certain number of votes in line. Oh, right. Have to whip the votes, as they say. Um, but it's, it's God, not out of the realm. What a crazy twist and turn to our politics that would be. It would be horrifarious. <laughs> Horr- horrifying and hilarious. The only problem just, is those those kind of jobs are a lot of work, the legislation stuff, to the extent that they do any of that anymore. It wouldn't be near as fun as being president. Yeah, yeah, agreed. <clears throat> but, you know, he could, he would, like me, I, I was my senior class president in high school. And I got into the gig and realized it was like planning dances, and I had no interest <laughs> in, the, in the job whatsoever. That's funny, that's what I always thought about school. Student government, I never got involved. I always thought, and you'll be on the committee to decide when we're going to. And I think, ah, that sounds terrible. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I should have known. But then it'd be Trump. He'll think, ah, I don't actually want to show up to the meetings. I'll just uh, impeach Biden. Yeah. So we'll see. The media you know, would freaking love that. Oh, I know. He's back, is, everybody. He's back. We could do, focus on Trump to the exclusion of everything else in the world every single day again. Yeah. I would hate that. And I want to talk about this a little bit more on the show tomorrow, but we got this note from Al Anonymous, who's a high school freshman English teacher. They're doing a unit on the literature of the civil rights movement, and he has found himself in a position where he can't read it aloud, and he can't let his students read it aloud because some of the words used by the civil rights leaders in their descriptions. And so they have to have a robotic computer voice Read the book aloud because everybody's afraid of the words coming out of their mouth. We're into Crazyville now. We are way into Crazyville. Wow. A robot? Yeah. We're going to have robots say words? A racist robot. (laughs) (laughs) 
Exactly. You're allowing a racist robot to roll around in the classroom, perverting our children's education. And R2-D2 has been unplugged. That's the robot (laughs) equivalent of being canceled. They've taken out his batteries. So they see fit to teach this stuff in school. Some of it's brilliant and awe-inspiring, but they have to... Have a robot a say racist robot. Magical, <laughs> a racist robot say certain magical word, words that would that would curse us all to hell if we said them out loud. How effing crazy is that? If we start having robots saying certain words, we I don't know what we got to do. We we got to pack it in. Just give I up. Know it. As a I know species. it. I know it. I know it. That's unbelievable. That's the best thing I've ever heard. Right. So it, you have a, a quote from Martin Luther King Jr. You know, in, in the word dream is is somebody decides that racist. So you could say, I have a, and then you'd have to push the button on the robot, dream, and then go back to reading it. So somebody's going to go through the robot's computer files and find a Confederate flag image. <laughs> you racist, <laughs> racist robot. It's a race bot. <laughs> Armstrong and Getty. Armstrong and Getty. This is the best of Armstrong and Getty. The repulsive Joy Behar. Her, he, her, ha. From the repulsive The View. Unwatchable, filth, garbage. Weighed in on the Is Prince Harry Actually Prince Charles' Son controversy? Why is he so protected when they weren't? And there's no good answer for that. No, yeah, there's and not. I, and, I have a theory. And we, I have a theory. <coughs> sure. I have a theory about it. Okay. Sure. Yeah, we heard it. All right. Oh, it's like the Zoom, but with the fun of, or it's like the view, but with the fun of Zoom uh, teleconferencing pauses to, to get in the oh, way of their cat. Fantastic. This is wonderful. Uh, this will get me into, I'll get into trouble for this, but I've said it before. What okay, if so you, Harry uh, is not, what if Harry is not Charles's actual biological son? And Andrew is oh. his brother. Is that a theory? He is the biological child. It's 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 a rumor. It's a rumor, and I'm gonna put. I'm saying it's a rumor. He doesn't look like his father. Okay. He looks like that other guy. <laughs> no, I've never heard anybody claim that Prince Andrew is the father, though. Is that what she meant? No, no, I don't think so. But did she mean if... William then? Um, Harry's brother. Next William. time we play a clip from The View, will be the last time. I come to work. Yeah, I, I don't. <laughs> the nuance of her arguments, I, I, I don't know. But uh, I believe she was echoing the, uh, the, the work in the work in the theory that maybe that's part of the reason of the riff uh, amongst the royals. That's been Joe's theory forever. Yeah, I've, I've, I've posited that may be true. I've asked the question. I'm an amateur geneticist. That's my only interest in this. I just I can't stand to be on the same side of anything with Joy Behar. I've changed my mind. Well, can we leave that he behind? He is clearly the son of Charles and Diana. One hundred percent. I'm certain of it. Okay. Ugh, I find her so repulsive. I, I, I like I said uh, on the show a while ago. Uh, he looks nothing like Charles, but then somebody said, "You got to quit saying that." Here's his uncle on his mom's side. Here's his uh, his uh, you know his grandfather on his mom's side. Blah blah blah, and they're all redheads. Okay, so the the gene is in there somewhere. And don't don't please don't write me an email about genetics. I've I've studied genetics. I know I can't remember exactly who the relatives were, but there were a number of people uh, in the family who looked just like him. 
But his brother looks just like Dad. Yeah, it happens. Mm-hmm. My uh, my brother has two daughters. One looks just like him. One looks just like his wife. It happens. That's kind of the way our family is. Sam looks like Laura and Henry looks like me. Almost exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, come from the Behar, stay for the whoopee. That's a rough show, man. <sighs> um, what did I do to get sentenced to that? That's what I would be asking. <laughs> Cruel and unusual punishment. You want to you want to dissuade people from crime? Stick them in a cell and watch, make them watch the View for like a week. <laughs> so I like the band Mumford and Sons. Speaking of my kids, uh, their album was the popular when Sam was like two, and we got into the various songs, and so we listened to it a lot. Uh, the guitar player from Mumford and Sons is taking time from the band to examine blind spots after a tweet praising Andy No. If you don't know who Andy No is, I've been following him on Twitter for quite some time. We've had him on the air before. He's a guy that relentlessly reports on Antifa and the rioting in Portland. I mean, he's up in the middle of the night with his cell phone getting video of people smashing windows and stuff like that and reporting on it because nobody else is. He is a small, gay, Asian man who thinks they are fascists, thinks Antifa are the fascists, they're violent, they're dangerous, and they're ruining his city. He's probably got more first-hand contact with that story than practically anybody. Would you guys consider him to be among, uh, obviously, different uh, views, but uh, the current crop of kind of activist journalists out there? Uh, sure. Um, I really only read his tweets. I haven't read this okay. book. Like, I don't know where he comes from, where he comes down, you know, when he's making a long-term article, ar- argument. I've only seen his short blasts. Anyway. British rocker Winston Marshall said he is taking time off from the band to examine his blind spots following a backlash over a tweet that praised conservative journalist Andy No as brave. That was his mistake. Called Andy No brave. Can't do that. And continue to be a guitar player in a popular band. As a, a little gay fella who's gotten a hell beat out of him but keeps covering the story, calling that brave is a problem. Okay. Over the past few days, I've come to better understand the pain caused by the book I endorsed. The guitarist from Mumford & Sons tweeted, I've offended not only a lot of people I don't know, but those closest to me, including my bandmates. And for that, I'm truly sorry. Sounds to me like the bandmates came from came and said, dude. They're all uber liberals living in a bubble. Uh, Marshall stepped into hot water over the weekend after he praised Mr. No for his new book, tweeting, Congratulations, at Mr. Andy No. Finally had the time to read your important book. You're a brave man. So he actually read the book wow. and liked it and then had an opinion on it. And you're not allowed to do that. The musician included a photo of Mr. No's booked unmasked inside Antifa's radical plan to destroy democracy. It's an Amazon bestseller that is critical of the Antifa movement. Thank you so much, Mr. No responded. Uh, Marshall later deleted his tweet after receiving an onslaught of criticism, criticism for fans and his fellow musicians. As a result of my actions, I'm taking time away from the band to examine my blind spots. For now, please know that I realize how my endorsements have the potential to be viewed as Approvals of hateful, divisive behavior. I apologize, as this was not at all my intention. What the hell are you talking about? I don't know. Man, did he get, he got just absolutely snowballed. He got, he got swamped by the, uh, the vicious, uh, you know, lefty musician world, apparently. I don't know. Well, I haven't read the book, but he had, so he obviously was okay with what was in the book. 
Yeah. Uh, Andy No responded to this, by the way, indirectly. He said, he tweeted, I grieve for those who are made to suffer because they dare to read my work or talk to me. The danger of Antifa and their allies is not only their willingness to carry out or support maiming, killing, and terrorism, but also how they close curious minds from independent thought. What's the backlash over uh, his book, Sean? Have you seen it? Oh, it's not his book in particular, but he is just... An- he is not viewed as a Jonathan Swan style reporter, right? He he has a very particular note that a lot of his stories hit. Um, his videos are not always edited in the most fair ways. From my my that's my opinion, editorializing there. Um, but yeah, he he is on the left. He is not viewed as a legitimate reporter. Gotcha. And so, being the guitar player from Mumford and Sons, saying he is brave is too much. Apparently, that's the world we live in now. I don't know. I would just if I were if I were in the public eye like that I just wouldn't comment on anything ever. That's the way I would avoid this, I guess. Which is not good for society, I don't think, but that's uh, that's just the way it works. Uh no. No it is not. It's terrible for society. I'm sickened by this. I'm scrolling through his Twitter feed to just see uh see what's going on. Um Yeah, I'm looking at his Twitter feed, Sean, and people can have whatever opinion they want, but You see here he's tweeting about the district attorney assigning a staff member to assist Portland law enforcement in their investigation in the arson attack on Portland public schools. Trucks that deliver children food to children were destroyed. There was an Antifa symbol left at the scene and a BLM slogan. Then he links to the Multnomah County DA's office, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, he's an activist. He doesn't want a city burnt to the ground. Can't blame him. I might give that book a look, or maybe we have Andy Noah on to talk about it. Which he's probably doing a publicity tour, I'm guessing. Yeah, let's talk to him. Why not? Awesome. I'm fine. I ain't afraid. You're listening to the best of the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. They just did a big old study of Republican voters nationally. And they have identified five current tribes within the GOP. It's funny that I came across this story today because I was scrolling through my newsfeed and back to back were two stories, one positing that Trump is still pulling all the strings and is the Republican North Star and blah, blah, blah. Right next to it was a story saying Trump is a sad old man who's vanishing from view by the moment. Mm. So it's like, all right, whatever clickbait crap you want to pitch, it's the truth is somewhere in between. But here are your five current tribes within the GOP. And the Trump obsession does continue. Mostly I, I've been ignoring it, but I thought this was interesting. Uh, your smallest group is your InfoWars GOP. 10%. Strong, favorable image of QAnon. You people are nuts. Believe several conspiracy theories pushed by QAnon and have near unanimous support for Donald Trump. That's 10%? That's 10% of Republicans, roughly. The next one is, uh, the next smallest at 15% is your Never Trumpers. Unfavorable opinion of Trump. Nearly all believe Trump is bad for the party. He needs to move on. Vast majority would definitely not vote for Trump in a GOP primary. You're never Trumpers. 15%. So that would be your outer fringes on opposite sides of uh, the rest of everybody else. Yeah. Yeah. I guess so. Uh, then, uh, then you got 20% post-Trump GOP. Strong positive opinion of Donald Trump, but they believe Trump should not continue to lead the party, and they'd rather vote for somebody other than Trump in a GOP uh, primary. And you so said you that's add, what? 20%. 20. So add to the never-Trumpers, you got 35%. It's a, it's a significant block, but nowhere near enough to control. Then you've got roughly tied at 27 and 28%. 
diehard Trumpers uh, who vote for Trump in a hypothetical GOP primary would definitely vote for him no matter the opponent believe Trump should lead the party more of a supporter of Trump than of the GOP. Uh, that's 27% and 28% Trump boosters. Very strong image and job approval. Slight majority of them vote for Trump in a GOP primary ballot. Unlike diehard Trumpers, more supportive of the Republican Party than Donald Trump. He runs and gets that 27% of diehard Trump fans and 10% of the QAnon. He absolutely walks away with the nomination, especially if you have a bunch of people running. Considering that the Trump boosters who could flake... Um, aren't as enthusiastic, probably not as likely to turn out. Your but post-Trump GOPers, maybe. If you have a bunch of people running, as you remember, though, all you got to get to is like 15, 20%. It's an excellent point. In each state, and you win the state. Excellent point. I will make one more excellent point. This is a snapshot in time, a hell of a long time before any of this is actually going to be happening. And the nature of politics is these things change, and they sure. change, and they change. Sure. The but only, that's where we are now. The only way you could stop Trump if you wanted to do that would be the way they stopped Bernie. you got to rally around one guy like Joe Biden, because when they were splitting all the votes with everybody, Bernie was going to end up the nominee, no doubt about it. Yeah, yeah. So what tribe are you in? I'll tell you what tribe I'm in. Aztecs. I just like hurling women into volcanoes. <laughs> so that's how I chose. <laughs> It was, it was Rush Week at all the tribes of the Western world, and I just really enjoyed the Aztec vibe. Michael, I think we need transition music. Speak the truth to one another. Render true and perfect justice in your gates. And do not contrive evil against one another. What if I don't have any gates? Seems like good advice. That's the latest from a recently found Dead Sea Scroll. They found another Dead Sea Scroll in a cave. Over there in the Middle East. Um, uh, first first fragments of a Dead Sea, Scroll, Dead sea Scrolls found in 60 years. And and when are they, what are they thought to be? Adding to knowledge we have about the Bible. Uh, more writings from that area by people who were involved in the writings of the Bible. Yeah. Um, Can you read that to us again? The Bible! That's right, sir. This particular fragment that they found was found in the Cave of Horror... Yeah, I went in there, didn't like it. In Israel. <laughs> Too horrible. Uh, 40 human skeletons in there. Um, it's like the Pirates of the Caribbean ride at Disney. They found uh, the 6,000-year-old skeleton of a child, likely a female between 6 and 12, who had been mummified in a piece of cloth, and what they believed to be the world's oldest surviving basket. Wow. Expected on Etsy within a month. Yeah, that's if you got like the world's oldest surviving baubles to put in there, that'd be good. Made with woven reeds. Uh, world's oldest surviving yarn or something. It's because it's so dry there that things like reeds in a basket or paper scrolls can last for thousands of years. They don't. Uh, they, they don't. They don't get ruined. This Crazy. basket is ten thousand five hundred years old. They believe a surviving basket. 8,000 years older than Jesus. They don't make things like that anymore. That is just hard to even wrap your head around. Yeah, it's not like the Chinese crap you get on the internet, Sean. Am I wrong? I'm not. Dissolves in a week. Anyway, yeah. the, the particular Dead Sea Scroll that they found written in Greek, they believe in the 100s, somewhere in the year 100 after Jesus. Um, speak the truth to one another. Render true and perfect justice in your gates. And do not contrive evil against one another. That's one little bit from one of the scrolls. 
Be nice. I found that stuff. I find this stuff pretty interesting. You know, it reminds me of the basket. I listened to a podcast not long ago about, there's a book out, I guess, about the importance of string. One of the greatest and most important inventions in the history of the planet. What? By far, more, more important than so many other things, it gets so much more credit, is string. Huh. Which led to uh, being able to weave together baskets, rope, clothes, shoes. Kept your shoes from falling off, exactly. Making tools by putting a sharp rock on a stick so you could go making tools so you can build something. Without the, the invention of string and how to do it with, uh, with, with strands of fiber and everything like that, practically no chance human beings get out of the caves. Cavemen, their kites would always just fly away and they'd get angry and that's why they murdered all the Neanderthals. You walk off in your sandals, and they just stay there in the cave. <laughs> exactly. Your kite floats Damn away. <laughs> I hate this stringless world. <laughs> anyway, well, that's interesting. I won't get bogged down on that, but I found it quite fascinating. A 10,500-year-old basket. God, I would stare at that and think, I just couldn't even wrap my hand around it. You know, that's funny. I did the basket. I'm like, okay, there was a basket. It was the eternal quest for justice. That caught my attention, how human nature doesn't change, how our, our prescription for a good, just society haven't changed an iota. Well, it, it, it gotten a little more complicated and detailed, our legal code. Our penal code, code is a little longer than that. but So the Dead Sea Scrolls, wild. basically the tweets of the day. Do not contrive evil against one another. Hashtag no evil. Yeah, don't do evil. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, non-black people should not spread Oprah Winfrey memes. What? From the Prince Harry and Meghan Markle interview, among other things, because that's supporting digital blackface, says some wokeshivist organization you've never heard of before and will never hear of again. But they're dedicated to social and environmental justice. Uh, while seemingly harmless, the problem with digital blackface is that it often reinforces negative stereotypes about black folks, such as they're aggressive, loud, sassy, and simply here for your consumption and entertainment. What? All right. All right. What? Okay. Armstrong and Getty. This is the best of Armstrong and Getty. So you know Vladimir Putin. You think he's a killer? Mm-hmm. I do. Evidently, Putin wasn't thrilled with Biden's killer comments because last night Russia recalled its ambassador to the United States. What? Why? What are they upset about? Putin is famous for being a killer. It's kind of his thing, along with horses and nipples. He's killed so many people that in 2017, the Washington Post was able to publish a list of 10 critics of Vladimir Putin who died violently or in suspicious ways. His greatest hits are hits. Not a joke. Yeah, so uh, Biden in an interview with George Stephanopoulos the other day said that. He said, yeah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, Putin is a killer. He is absolutely a killer. And Putin was that the same s- interview with the he has no soul claim? Yeah. yeah. Okay. And Putin wasn't going to stand for that. No. Although, as you pointed out, uh, Putin likes to be called a killer. Oh, Putin's yeah. His power depends on being thought of as a killer. Oh, yeah. So which uh, which do you want to hear these first? Alexei Navalny thinks he's a killer. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. He's a killer. There's no doubt about it. Uh, I don't know. I got the list too far away from me. My eyes are getting worse. So how did Uh, we do it last time there, Sean? 
We got uh, number 44, okay. uh, the crowd favorite. Everybody's been asking for it. A Kremlin oh, yeah. spokesman said there hasn't been anything like this in history as the Russian president analyzed the comments. I remember when we were young and would bicker out in the yard. We would say, I'm rubber and you're glue. Bad names bounce off me and stick to you. We always see our own qualities in other people and assume that they are just like us. Putin accused the U.S. of past genocide, slavery, and referenced Black Lives Matter, themes that Russian bots use use online to divide americans the man with his finger on the button of the second biggest nuclear arsenal on the planet said i'm rubber and you're glue everything you say bounces off of me and sticks to you i'm rubber and you're glue bad names bounce off me and stick to you <laughs> so is your mother well ollie ollie oxen free so there what? no takesies backsies what 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 the heck and he he had that usual Putin smile on his face of, I'm a, I'm a smart aleck, and I know I'm a smart aleck, and what are you going to do about I'm it? I'm rubber and you're glue. Bad names bounce off me and stick to you. But I'm going to wrap this chain around your head. Yeah, huh? I will win argument or poison you. So either way, <laughs> he's good. And then I'll wrestle a bear with my nipples showing. Yes, yes. Putting them at risk. You know, nipples enrage bears, Jack. Keep them hidden if you're in bear country. Well, now you took the uh, the quote in clip number 41 very seriously. Um, you took this as a threat. I'm not sure I did, but folks, you be the judge. Is this a threat to old man Biden? A war of words erupted just hours after President Biden vowed that Vladimir Putin would pay a price for attempting to undermine the 2020 U.S. election and agreed that the Russian president is a killer. Regarding my American colleague's statement, as he said, we know each other personally. What I would answer him, I would tell him stay healthy. I wish him good health. I say this without irony. Yeah, don't fall out any windows or uh, <laughs> get a water bottle that's tainted or anything like that. Why do you say I say this without any irony? Because that's an incredibly ironic thing to say. You snuff your opponents. <laughs> I don't know. And it's possible it's one of those Russian words that doesn't translate quite correctly. and Because uh, that doesn't quite make sense to me either. Um Right, right. Well, he gave him a live long and prosper. But I would tell him stay healthy. I wish him good health. I say this without irony. Isn't that a mobster coming and saying, "Yeah, I hope you I hope you stay healthy. Hope your wife's good. Hope your kids are healthy." Isn't that just a threat? It could be. I don't know. It's hard to say. Uh, but then Putin later said, "I've just thought of this now." He told a reporter yesterday, "I want to invite President Biden to continue our discussion, but on the condition that we do it actually live, but with no delays, directly in an open, direct discussion." And so I, I think I Vlad thinks he can best Biden one on one. He thinks Biden's old and senile. Yeah, I didn't catch that, but I think that's clearly what's going on. I thought it was just the typical, um, you know, I want to be seen as an equal on the world stage thing. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think that's what it is. It's a, <laughs> you don't have the mental capability of, of doing anything live because, and it's because of the press conference thing. When Molly Hemingway the other day, the Federalist, when they said it's now a national security issue, Biden's press conferences, so maybe they should put him off. Putting him off is a national security issue. You have enemies of the United States, world leaders thinking our president is, uh, hasn't got his act together mentally. And oh, yeah. they might be right. 
Yeah, yeah. The the other thing that I'm sure Putin wanted to accomplish is he, he can get into what about is in the way the Chinese diplomats were doing, yep. calling you out saying, "Oh, your cops kill black people. Uh, your your white people are hunting down Asian people in the street. The U.S. is a terrible country too. Bringing us down is uh, reward enough for them, and they don't have to bring themselves up. And you got all our biggest media helping along with that. So good job. Nice job. That's enough of this. Now that. Transition music, please. So I don't know much about the New York Mets. General manager is a big position, though, right, in a Major League Baseball team? That's oh, yeah. huge. Oh, yeah. It's it's enormous, yeah. And they actually fired him. The, the fortunes of a team rise and fall with their GM, no doubt. Who did he send pictures to? That usually matters. A, a, a reporter. A woman reporter. Oh, my God. Did she want them, or did he send them no. unsolicited? See, he sent her dozens or a dozen texts saying, hey, we should get together. We should go out. And, and, and increasingly suggestive culminating in a picture of his uh, his flag at full staff. Okay, here I have this story. The woman, a foreign correspondent described by ESPN, who moved to the United States to cover baseball, said at one point the general manager had sent her more than 60 consecutive texts. There you go. Yeah. That's a little stalkery, scary. Any, be, any woman would be frightened by that. got to be from uh, Japan or Korea, right? No to be other, interested in baseball? No other foreign countries give a damn yeah. about American baseball. Seven of which were photos, even though she American? was... Cubans? Ah, good point. 60 consecutive texts, seven of them photos, and she didn't respond to any of them. So you send you send a woman you've met a text, no response. Oh, I'll send another one. Maybe she missed that one or All whatever. Right, 58 more. Maybe 58 go, more. <laughs> maybe, maybe you go to your trusted friend and you say, Sean, I just, this gal, this reporter, I feel like we should be together. She's beautiful. She's charming. But she keeps ignoring my text. Do you have any suggestions? Well, hmm. Have you tried sending your junk? <laughs> Have you tried sending a picture of your fully aroused wang? No, I haven't. If only she knew of that. Thanks, buddy. Uh, clearly, then it's just romance. Ahead. Good. And, and I'd like to sit Anthony Weiner down, this guy, and, and he's been canned from one of the... He's, he was going to be a general manager of a New York baseball team. Culmination of his life's dreams. Do they think, you know... I wonder if she doesn't realize I have a penis. <laughs> I have never been in a situation where I'm confused about whether or not a specific woman does or does not want to see it. It always seems perfectly clear right, right. which ones are interested. Even before you get to the junk pics, just the texting that much, I, I missed out on the whole um, uh, texting being part of dating thing mostly. I just barely caught the tail end of it before I got you know, uh, married and everything. Um, but it seemed to me so handy in that you didn't even have to have contact. You could text somebody, they text you, no response, you know, okay, there's no interest there. You're right. done. Yep. You, you send out a little feeler. Well, that was quite a meeting we were at the, uh, huh? That was something. They, they, they don't respond, no interest. They respond pleasantly with an opening. Okay, there you go. Exactly. It's so, it's so great. It's, it's, it's it seemed to me like, an advancement, especially for women, because you always have the power dynamic thing going on. Just from a physical standpoint, you can you can make it very clear: no interest in like casual chat with you. Right? Maybe send one more in case she got busy and forgot, and after that, you're through here. Or fifty-eight more, including right. pictures. Right? Exactly. That makes you yeah. a crazy person. It, it, it's no an wonder you got odd... fired. Again, that's why I would like to talk to these people, not to condemn them, but to understand them. It's like. My daughter has a, a job interview, a virtual job interview today, and I'm oh, I'm rooting for her so hard. Oh my god! Uh, but anyway, uh, it's as if I go in for a job interview, and it, and I have the thought I should probably show this guy I can best him in a fight. 
I mean, it's where does that thought come from? I, you know what I think would get her is if I showed her my erect genitalia. You know, I mean, how, what? You know, I, what? Well, for normal people, it's especially crazy. I think for the pro athlete type, I assume he was a pro baseball player. Is, is that true? I not? do not know that. I don't know that. Either. Often those guys are That's just true. numbers guys. That's true. Executive Ath- saver metrics, etc. Athletes, musicians, that sort of stuff. I think they're so used to. It's kind of like the the Donald Trump, uh, you know, famous P tape that came out. A, a certain a certain kind of guy, whether you're a billionaire or a pro sports player, you're so used to getting your way. I think you kind of get out of whack. Yeah, as to what's normal and what's yeah. not. Well, he's back in whack now. For those of us he's that are canned. for those of us that are normal, sending sixty texts to someone. So they met on the inter on an uh, ele- elevator briefly. Exchanged business cards. She probably introduced stuff. Oh, oh, okay, cool. Business cards. Then he texts her sixty times in a day. Well, there's no way she was hot. I'm assuming there's no way they'd exchange cards unless she was interested in him. He's a baseball executive. She's a baseball reporter. Wait a minute. Once she sees this, (laughs) oh boy. Can you see my privates? Can you? Can you? Can you see my? Right. That was his theory. Oh, we didn't even get to Gwyneth Paltrow's uh, V candle. Oh, no, see, that's, in the no, 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 no. Too no. much? That is too much. Too much? <laughs> Absolutely well, too much. But it's equal rights. Maybe for we your podcast. We spent like 10 minutes on this guy's <laughs> junk and the ladies get nothing? <laughs> Sexist. Misogynist. Armstrong and Getty. <laughs>